Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. President Vladimir Putin himself greenlights the arrest of a Wall Street Journal reporter. We do appear to be having what is best described as a cascading series of crises. Donald Trump files a lawsuit against his former lawyer, Michael Cohen. I think there's going to be many avenues here he can pursue, and this does not look good, at least on the surface of it, for Michael Cohen. Anheuser-Busch loses $5 billion since announcing a marketing partnership with a trans influencer. What company insults half of their customers <laughs> to try to expand their brand? It really it makes no sense. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, April 13th. I'm Mike Scott. Reports suggest that Russian President Vladimir Putin personally approved the arrest of a U.S. reporter on espionage charges. Evan Gershkovich of the Wall Street Journal is the first American reporter to face Russian charges of espionage since the Cold War, charges that the Wall Street Journal, as well as the U.S. government, strongly deny. In a statement yesterday, Gershkovich's family said, in addition to being a distinguished journalist, Evan is a beloved son and brother. There's a hole in our hearts and in our family that won't be filled until we are reunited. Some Russian experts are suggesting that if the reports are true, then the Russian president's endorsement of the move reflects the growing influence of Kremlin hardliners who push for a deepening confrontation with Washington. Roger Carstens, the Biden administration's special presidential envoy for hostage affairs, says that as of yet, they haven't been given access to Evan Gershkovich and can't assess the journalist's well-being. The very day that he was taken, uh, members of the State Department met with uh, members of the Wall Street Journal, his employer, to discuss what we knew at that point. The very next day, Secretary Blinken issued a statement condemning an, uh, the action and asking for more information from the Russians. Since then, uh, senior members of the U.S. government, to include Secretary Blinken, have met with their counterparts in Russia to try to press them to release Evan and to gain more ins- information. We've also been trying to gain consular access to him, uh, and you have yet had uh, any luck in that. On March 29th, the Wall Street Journal reporter was detained by Russian authorities, which immediately triggered denunciations from the U.S. and its allies. Now with the focus on Gershkovich's case, the U.S. may be forced to negotiate, which, according to experts in hostage situations, will only encourage more hostage-taking. Golnoza Saeed is a journalist with the Committee to Protect Journalists and says that the taking of journalists and accusing them of espionage has long been part of the Russian playbook. I don't think uh, advocacy from organizations like the Committee to Protect Journalists and others uh, is going to uh, play a huge role 
uh, here because, as I said, the Russian authorities have spoken about Evan as if they have no doubt that he is a spy. And they will use him as a bargaining chip, trying to get as much from this situation as possible for them. Meanwhile, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo joined the Salem Radio Network and believes the detention of Evan Gerskovich is just the latest in a long series of problems for the Biden administration that highlights their foreign policy failure. We do appear to be having what is best described as a cascading series of crises. Uh, I think what's going on in the Middle East is certainly one of them. We we had the we had this right. We had created more peace, uh, more prosperity in the region with what became the Abraham Accords. But the Biden administration's central flaw was the misunderstanding of the bad actor in the region. They called Saudi Arabia a pariah state, and then the Biden administration went and met with the Iranians to discuss a nuclear deal to give them money. That's dangerous for Israel our friend and ally, but it's really bad for the United States of America, and you can see that playing out today. Pompeo points to the recent efforts by the White House to play the blame game when it comes to the withdrawal from Afghanistan as proof of the lack of leadership from the president. It's a disservice to the men and women who served in Afghanistan for two decades for them to try and shift blame to anyone other than Joe Biden, who was the man who made the decision to leave the country on a date certain to kill 13 Americans and left countless Americans behind is outrageous. I don't know of a parallel in American history where a president has caused so much harm to American national security and then attempted to blame everyone but himself. He blamed the intelligence community. He blamed the Trump administration. Uh, this is nonsense. And their, one of their core arguments was somehow that they were constrained by an agreement that we'd entered into during uh, the Trump administration. What utter nonsense, what reckless, foolish language to tell the American people that this chaotic withdrawal wasn't chaotic and that somehow President Biden didn't have the freedom to make good decisions to defend America and our, on our soldiers, sailors, airmen and Marines. The former Secretary of State says that the result, in his opinion, is that our allies don't trust us much. The end result proves the chaos, too. Uh, European allies trusting us less, our adversaries saying that they can... Uh, potentially invade a European country and America might not do anything. Uh, those are the end result. Uh, whether It was certainly chaos. And, you know, I have a lot of respect for Kirby, but that was a foolish thing for him to say. He knows better. He knows that the debacle of the departure from Afghanistan is on the shoulders of the Biden administration. And for him to say, well, gosh, we protected the airport, an airport that was ultimately uh, – denied the very security that would have permitted us to get the Americans out that President Biden promised he would is a travesty. Last year, Russia and the U.S. conducted two prisoner exchanges, including in December when they swapped a WNBA player, Brittany Griner, for notorious arms dealer Victor Boot. The second of two black Democrats expelled from the Republican-led Tennessee House will be returning to the legislature. More on this from our Daybreak Insider, Ed Donahue. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. 
Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Hundreds of supporters marched with Justin Pearson through Memphis to the Shelby County Board of Commissioners meeting. The vote was 7-0 for his return. Pearson and Justin Jones were expelled for supporting gun control protesters following a deadly school shooting in Nashville. Now that the Shelby County Commission has done their job, I'm so glad we get to get back to doing our job. Audio from WATN-TV. Pearson has a message for House leadership. A movement is rising. They tried to kill democracy. Republicans have so far refused to consider any new restrictions on firearms following the Nashville school shooting. I'm Ed Donahue. According to sources close to former President Donald Trump, the 2024 presidential contender has filed a lawsuit against his ex-attorney Michael Cohen, seeking more than $500 million in damages. Well, former president of the U.S., Donald Trump, will sue his former lawyer, Michael Cohen, for breach of contract. Mr. Trump is seeking 500 million American dollars. That's close to a billion here. Arguing Mr. Cohen did not act in his best interests when representing him. Mr. Cohen worked for the former president for more than a decade and served as vice president of the Trump organization. He was previously sentenced to three years in prison after pleading guilty to fraud and campaign finance violations. Now, the filing alleges that Cohen breached attorney-client privileges and unjustly enriched himself at Donald Trump's expense. The lawsuit points to Cohen's public statements, books, and a podcast series, among other things, which demonstrated malicious intent for entirely self-serving ends. This comes as Cohen has recently made headlines for being the key state witness in Manhattan D.A. Alvin Bragg's case against Donald Trump for alleged hush money payments to an adult film actress, Stormy Daniels. Mark Lauder is the former special assistant to Donald Trump and chief communications officer at the America First Policy Institute and believes that his former boss may have a case. Well, I'm not a lawyer, but uh, I would I would bet he's got a pretty strong case here. I mean, let's remember that Michael Cohen spent years as the lawyer or a lawyer for the Trump organization, and he has now turned around and used all of the secrets, all of the deals, all of the negotiations that he did while he was an attorney for the Trump organization and has made millions off of it, selling books, hawking himself on all the liberal networks. You know, this is attorney-client privilege, and obviously I know that, you know, having worked for the Trump, uh, the Trump campaigns, you sign non-disclosure agreements. I think there's going to be many avenues here he can pursue, and this does not look good, at least on the surface of it, for Michael Cohen. Lauder goes on to say that he believes that the suit brought by Donald Trump will impact Cohen's media appearances. 
I think if you're any of the liberal networks that love to book Michael Cohen, you now have to you now have to disclose if you have any journalistic ethics at all, you now have to disclose that he is being sued by the by Mr. Trump before you put him on every single time because clearly the guy has long had an axe to grind. Now he's being sued over that axe, and uh, so if nothing else, it might get him a little fewer bookings or quite a few fewer bookings on uh, on the liberal mainstream media. In August of 2018, Cohen pleaded guilty to eight counts of violating campaign finance laws before the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. Three months later, Cohen also pled guilty to lying before Congress. A popular Democrat podcaster is calling on Senator Dianne Feinstein to resign because her illness is holding up efforts to confirm President Biden's liberal judicial nominees. Daybreak Insider's Bob Agnew has more on this story in Washington. The 89-year-old Feinstein announced last month she was being hospitalized for shingles, but hopes to be back to work as soon as possible. Crooked Media co-founder John Lovett called on Feinstein to resign because her absence is holding up confirmations. Lovett notes leading Democrat Dick Durbin has said Feinstein's absence on the Judiciary Committee has left Democrats without the numbers they need to advance Biden nominees. Feinstein, the oldest member currently serving in the Senate, has already said she won't seek re-election when her term expires in 2024. Biden reporting. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. When Anheuser-Busch announced its branding partnership with a controversial transgender social media influencer, Dylan Mulvaney, they weren't expecting such a large backlash. This month, I celebrated my day 365 of womanhood, and Bud Light sent me possibly the best gift ever, a can with my face on it. Check out my Instagram story to see how you can enjoy March Madness with Bud Light and maybe win some money, too. However, since the launch of the corporate beer giants partnership, Bud Light shares have fallen nearly 4%, which has shrunk the company's market capitalization from $132 billion to $127 billion, while stocks fizzled by more than 1.5%. Meanwhile, Mulvaney fired back at critics accusing them of bullying. Stephen Moore, FreedomWorks senior economic contributor, joined the Salem Radio Network and says that he predicts that the backlash being so large, Mulvaney's partnership with the beer company will end soon. Bud Light 
is going to suffer greatly yes. from this. Uh, yes. Already, their sales have plummeted. And I look, I, I'm not a big beer drinker, but I wouldn't buy Bud, Bud Light. And it was just a matter of personal protest um, uh, against their, their move to, uh, to celebrate transgenderism. So I think it's a stupid marketing ploy. I think it's insulting to their customers. And I think uh, I will make a bet to you that she's out the door in six months. According to Moore, it's not just Anheuser-Busch who have been making these ill-advised marketing strategies. It's very simple. You know, let's say even half the drinkers, who drink, and I think it's way more than that, are more conservative-oriented, you know, to yeah. drink uh, Bud Light. Um, what company insults half of their customers <laughs> <laughs> to try to expand their brand? It really it makes no sense to me. But this is happening all over corporate America today. Yes, it is. It is so ingrained. And you look at like the human resources departments of corporate America, or now the people who are doing the marketing. And and, and look, I've got to make another point. This is what happens when you allow the left to completely indoctrinate kids since they were in kindergarten. And we're starting to feel the real effects of this every day of this new generation of kids in their 20s that have been just fed this crap. The FreedomWorks contributor goes on to warn that the next generation of kids are being indoctrinated and parents need to be more aware of what their children are being taught. It's got to stop, folks. It's happening right now as we speak because this new generation, the next generation is now being indoctrinated with this kind of garbage. Now, they can't read, write, or do arithmetic, but they do know about diversity and, uh, and uh, you know, race and transgenderism. Both Bud Light and Nike have pushed back against the criticism and, for now, are standing by Mulvaney. Inflation eased slightly last month, posting its smallest increases since December. Daybreak Insider's Mike Hempen takes a look at the current state of inflation in the U.S. Cheaper gas and food prices in March provided some relief for consumers. The government says consumer prices rose just one-tenth of one percent last month, down from a nearly half a percent increase in February. However, excluding volatile food and energy costs, core inflation remains high. Core prices were up four-tenths of one percent from February and up about five-and-a-half percent from last March. Prices in the service sector are keeping core inflation high. That trend is expected to result in the Federal Reserve raising its benchmark interest rate for a tenth straight time when it meets in May. Mike Hemp in Washington. New York City has its first Ratsar, whose sole mission is to lead the battle against the four-clawed vermin. We get more from Daybreak Insider. Julie Walker. Former school teacher Kathleen Karate says she couldn't believe the rat czar job was real. Bloodthirsty is not a word you usually see in a job description. <laughs> but says she's ready to take on the city's rat population, which some peg at two million, others much more. I will bring a science and systems-based approach to reducing New York City's rat population with a strong focus on cutting off the food, 
water, and shelter rats need to survive. Mayor Eric Adams, who's had some rat problems of his own, expects her to be merciless when it comes to the city's most cunning enemy. Rats think they run the city. Julie Walker, New York. And finally, the pharmaceutical company Moderna announced that it hopes to have a set of life-saving vaccines for cancer, heart disease, and other conditions by 2030. The reason why Moderna is so confident is due to the rise of mRNA vaccines that are being co-developed by Merck. mRNA vaccines use the body's own RNA to teach a body how to make a protein that will trigger an immune response and tailor it to specific diseases like cancer. Dr. Chris Purnell says that the technology behind mRNA vaccines is really exciting to the medical community. This is really important news because as we learned during this COVID-19 pandemic, the flexibility or agility even of the messenger RNA vaccine science really is mind-blowing because it is basically given genetic instructions to the body to produce an immune response. There are potential uh, breakthroughs, not just in infectious diseases, but in cancers. And those breakthroughs in cancers can be malignancies associated with skin, like melanoma, or it can be other soft tissue tumors. We're really excited to see just how far mRNA vaccine technology can prove to be useful. Purnell does state that the potential cancer vaccine wouldn't be a magic bullet, but simply a tool for doctors to use for their patients. We're thinking that it can be proved to be useful in autoimmune disorders as well as rare diseases. So it's really encouraging that this science really is playing out to be more than just one magic bullet, but really a powerful tool in our toolkit. Purnell says that the potential mRNA vaccine would not be available for children, but only for those who have been diagnosed with a vaccine-specific illness. What we're seeing right now are breakthroughs in the treatment of certain diseases. So not necessarily as part of a childhood vaccine schedule, but a vaccine schedule that could be made available to those who are either at risk for progression of certain illnesses or who have been diagnosed with illnesses. We're talking about a wide array from cardiovascular or heart disease to cancers to autoimmune disorders to even rare diseases. We do know that we continue to see progress in infectious diseases, as you mentioned, with a vaccine likely coming available for RSV. So we're we're eagerly awaiting to see just how far this science can be taken. Back in February, the FDA granted the designation of breakthrough therapy to Moderna's personalized cancer vaccine in combination with Merck's immunotherapy drug, Keytruda, for patients with a deadly form of skin cancer called melanoma. According to the results of a phase two clinical trial of the drug and vaccine combo, there was a reduced reoccurrence in melanoma by 44%. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott.
cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525.